Hello, and welcome to the sermon podcast of First Baptist Church of Versailles, Missouri. It is our hope that the following message will help you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. For more teachings, please visit our sermon page at fbcversailles.com. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. They came to Jericho, as he was, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many warned him to keep quiet. But he was crying out all the more, Have mercy on me, son of David! Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, Have courage, get up, he's calling for you. He threw off his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Then Jesus answered him, What do you want me to do for you? Rabboni, the blind man said to him, I want to see Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he could see and began to follow Jesus on the road. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment, like for real, close your eyes, not like whenever we were praying a minute ago. But really close your eyes. That joke goes way over, over way better with teenagers. <laughs> Close your eyes for just a moment and imagine the last time you were on a cave tour. At some point during that tour, the guide probably flicked off the lights and everything went totally dark. You probably held your hand up in front of your face to see if you could make out the outline. And then after a few more seconds, somebody in the group probably giggled awkwardly, followed by some uncomfortable whispering And then maybe even some panic set in, and you thought, will the lights even work after they've been off for so long? And then after what seems like an eternity, the guide finally flips the lights back on. You can see again, and a sense of comfort and ease wash back over you. Open your eyes. Most people take sight for granted. Helen Keller, who was both blind and deaf, wrote an article titled, Three Days to See. And the article, in that article, she imagined the things that she would like to see if she were given three days of sight. It was an interesting article. On the first day, she said she'd want to study the faces of her friends and of her family to look deeply into their eyes because she has always heard that eyes are the window to the soul. And then she said in the afternoon she'd want to take some time and spend it out in nature. On the second day, she described waking up with the sun and then going out and seeing museums and art and the theater and looking at historical uh, markers. Her final day, she said, would be spent taking in all the sights of her hometown of New York which were described to her, but she never saw herself. The article is beautifully written with great care and detail. And she has many great insights into that article, but let me share one of those with you now. She says, The eyes of seeing persons soon become accustomed to the routine of their surroundings 
and they actually see only the startling and spectacular. But even in viewing the most spectacular sights, their eyes are lazy. She goes on to describe how she was chatting with a friend of hers who had been walking through the forest. And she said, well, what did you see? And her friend said, nothing. She had taken her sight for granted. Helen Keller was looking for any description at all because she had never seen anything in the forest. Even the description of a leaf with its vibrant colors and and its bumpy veins would have done wonders for her soul. But her friend said nothing. In a famous encounter, someone asked Keller, isn't it terrible to be blind? And she responded, better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. And in many ways, that's exactly the point of the Scripture that we're looking at today. Better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two eyes and see nothing. The story of blind Bartimaeus is recorded to teach us what it means to see with our hearts, to show us what real and genuine faith looks like. Now you'll remember that Jesus had previously healed a blind man back in chapter 8, verse 22. And from that verse until these verses today, Jesus has been teaching His disciples about His death and His resurrection and what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow Him, and what it takes. Now, we've come to find out that the disciples are kind of slow learners. So if you feel like you're a slow learner, you're in good company because the disciples, they were right there with you. They were slow learners. Not, they didn't fully understand the expectations that Jesus put out there. They didn't really even understand who was fit for the kingdom of God, how to get in. But as they draw close to Jerusalem, the lessons on discipleship draw to a close. The healing of the blind men serve as bookends on these lessons of discipleship. And after the healing in today's encounter, Mark is going to shift gears and the last six chapters of his gospel are going to focus on Jerusalem and Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. In the passage just before this one, James and John come to Jesus. And they approach Jesus with a sense of entitlement. They have left everything to follow Jesus and believe that Jesus owes them something. They say to Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Which is a pretty bold approach to Jesus. That's pretty brazen. Now Jesus is much much more holy than I am because I probably would have slapped them both upside the head like that and said, are you kidding me? Are you serious right now? I just told you that I'm going to go to Jerusalem, that I'm going to go and die, and all you can do is think about what's in it for me. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like the family member who's on their deathbed and their children or relatives come and they say, now what are you going to give me? Before you die, make sure you say it loud enough so everyone can hear. They want a favor from Jesus. Yet the ever-loving, ever-patient Jesus replies, What do you want me to do for you? They say, Do whatever we ask you to do. And Jesus says, What do you want me to do for you? And they answer him, Allow us to sit at your right and your left in your glory. 
these boys felt entitled to a reward, to honor, and to glory. They wanted to sit on thrones and rule with Jesus. But what they didn't know was that the only throne that Jesus would take was a wooden one, and it would be in the shape of a cross. And that His crown wasn't a golden one encrusted with jewels, but it was a crown of thorns that would hold His dried blood. Now you might have noticed that Jesus asked the same question in our text today. What do you want Me to do for you? It's the same question, but it's a different outcome. And you might be thinking, oh, well, that's, that's just a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences, not even a little bit. God is way more in control than a coincidence. <laughs> and I think that God put these stories back to back in the Bible because it's going to help us understand more about exactly what Jesus came to do for sinners like you and me. The disciples have eyes to see, but they can't see what's right in front of them. But Bartimaeus, on the other hand, is completely blind, but can see the truth about Jesus very clearly. Bartimaeus gives us the example of true discipleship, of genuine faith. And I would like to take a look at that example today as we see four elements of genuine faith. The first element of genuine faith is that it sees Jesus clearly. Jesus warned His disciples previously about not missing the point. In chapter 8, verse 18 of Mark's Gospel, He says, Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? And here in our text, we find a man who is actually physically blind, but he gets the point better than the disciples. The life of a blind man in the ancient world was, well, it was, it, was not good. it was not good. Not good at all, in fact. The blind were often reduced to begging, depending on the kindness and generosity of strangers to help them. Bartimaeus, though, in our story, has set himself up in a very good location just outside of Jericho. Because at this time of the year, it was the Passover time, there would be pilgrims from all over Israel that would be making their way down to Jerusalem. And because they didn't go through Samaria, because they didn't like the Samaritans, they would come around the other way to Jericho and then leave from Jericho to Jerusalem. And it was only about a day's walk. And so Bartimaeus sets himself up outside of the gate of Jericho where all of these people were going to be passing by him. And so he was set up at the right place and at the right time in order to get the help that he needed. The blind in the first century were right on the fringe of society. They were not always treated well. They were not always helped. They never knew if they were going to make enough begging in order to eat. They were very vulnerable and lived in fear. You would probably be fearful too. If you had nothing and you had no one, And you couldn't see anything. Yet, even though he was society's outcast, when Jesus walks by, Bart, can I call him Bart? It'd make so much easier than saying Bartimaeus. And it'll save us like four seconds at the end of the sermon. It'll be fantastic. Bart hears the commotion 
and finds out that it's Jesus and he can't help he can't help himself. He cannot be silent a moment longer. Look at verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now the historical records teach us that the name Jesus was a common name in Israel because Jesus is the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua. And so it would be like Chris or Dave or something like that. But it was Jesus. That was a popular name at that time. And that name literally means God saves. And so Jesus' name literally means Savior. God saves. But this wasn't just some common Jesus walking by Bart that day. This was Jesus of Nazareth. Bart had heard a lot of things about this Jesus. He had heard that he had given authoritative teaching. He heard that he had driven out many demons. And he heard that many people were healed of their sicknesses because of the healing power of Jesus. And that even people were raised from the dead. After all, everybody was talking about this amazing rabbi that confounded all of the religious leaders. But whatever it was that he had heard, Bart seems to know enough about Jesus that he is confident. He's confident that Jesus, if Jesus would show him some compassion, that he could be healed. And so Bart cries out, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. Son of David is a title that the Old Testament gives to the Messiah, the Christ. And when Bart calls Jesus Son of David, he's revealing the conviction in his heart that Jesus is the one. And that Jesus is the only one who could help him. Maybe, maybe Bart had learned Isaiah chapter 35, verse 5, and it was running through his mind that day. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. It was a part of Isaiah that was describing the restoration of Israel when the Messiah would come. And this poor, destitute, broken, vulnerable, blind man appears to be the only one in Mark's Gospel who can actually see Jesus' true identity as the Messiah. Bart's heart is filled with hope as he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And this is a common prayer. Have mercy on me. It's a common prayer in the Psalms and has become the oldest prayer in Christianity. Christ, have mercy. Maybe you've heard that before. Christ, have mercy. He recognized that there was no one else who could give him what Jesus could give him. And Bart wasn't interested in some rusty old sense. He was interested in his sight being restored. And so when Jesus hears Bart calling for him, he calls for Bart. Bring him here, Jesus says. And then he asks this blind man, what do you want me to do for you? That very same question that he asked James and John. 
But Bart's answer is much different. The disciples, like I said before, they wanted personal glory. They thought they deserved positions of superiority and, and, uh, and seats of honor in the kingdom of God, sitting on golden thrones. They thought that Jesus was there to give them their personal desires and their wants. But they were wrong. Compare them to Bart. Bart is sitting in the dust, has no aspiration for a golden throne, makes no demand for glory, but in his weakness he calls out, I want to see. Bart understands Mark 10.45 better than the disciples at this point, that Jesus didn't come to serve, or didn't come to be served, but to serve. He came to be a servant And the good news is that if Bart can see this about Jesus, anyone can. If Bart can get it, anyone can get it. Anyone can grasp the truth about Jesus for themselves. They don't need a degree from a Bible college. They don't need to have taught Sunday school or even sat in, you know, hours and hours and years and years worth of sermons to understand. Jesus isn't looking at your grades. He's looking at your heart. And if Bart can find mercy in Jesus, anyone can. Faith is not a grade on a piece of paper. Faith is seeing Jesus with the eyes of your heart as the only source of mercy and then abandoning yourself completely to his arms. Jesus asks that same question of us today. What do you want me to do for you? Will you be like the disciples? Will you ask for personal glory, wealth, recognition? Or will you be like Bart and simply cry out for mercy? The only response that makes sense is the one that recognizes the state that we are in. Hopeless sinners, lost in our sin and needing to cry out for His help. We can't fix our sin problem. We can't do it. We're sinners. We're broken. We can't fix it. And our sin has also made us blind to the reality of our situation. And so calling out for Jesus, calling out to Jesus for mercy, it's not just the smart answer. It's an honest answer. It's the only answer. We need mercy, and only Jesus can give it to us. The disciples, they don't get it. They can't see it, but Bart can. And this should serve as a warning to us as well, that we never move beyond our need for the mercy of Jesus. We should never become so well pleased with our spiritual status that we begin to think that Jesus owes us something. He doesn't owe us anything at all. Our entire lives instead should be marked by humble pleading for the mercy of Jesus each day. Because each day we have great sin. But oh, we have a great Savior that will take care of that sin for us. If we miss that, if we miss that need to cry out for His mercy, 
then we might have two good eyes and see nothing. Because genuine faith sees Jesus clearly. But not only does it see Jesus clearly, it also perseveres. Did you notice how the crowd reacted when Bart first began to call out to Jesus in verse 48? Let me give you the Chris Bass hillbilly translation of what happens in verse 48. Bart calls out, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. And the crowd goes, Pipe down, Bart. (laughs) Jesus, he's way too busy. He's way too important to talk to you. But what's Bart's response? Oh, sorry, guys. I couldn't see that he was busy because I like to think that people with disabilities can joke about it. Most of my friends that have them can. So he would say, I couldn't see that he was busy, right? Couldn't see anything at all. No, that's not what he says. He starts crying out all the more, the text tells us. And when you see Jesus clearly for who he truly is, you will persevere even when the rest of the world tries to keep you quiet. Bartimaeus was rejected by the world. Poor, blind, homeless, penniless, dirty, and unwelcome. Certainly, Jesus wouldn't want anything to have to do with him, right? Wrong. Everyone around Jesus ignored or tried to silence Bart. But Bart couldn't be stopped. Because genuine faith cannot be stopped. It cannot be prevented, hindered, or blocked. Bart wouldn't give up. Even when the crowd told him to, he kept crying out. He kept seeking God's mercy. And maybe today, you feel like giving up. Maybe the weight of your troubles has grown so heavy that you're unable to bear it any longer. Maybe you've been listening to the crowd for too long that's telling you to stop, to keep quiet. Maybe you're too far away. Maybe you think that you're too far away for Christ to even hear your call. You're not. A young man once asked an older lady if he should give up because he'd been really, really struggling. One day when he was sulking, he said to her, I'm just so beaten down. It seems like every time I try, I just fail and I feel like just giving it all up. And she was smiling at him and with compassion in her voice said, Did you ever notice that when Jesus told those disappointed fishermen to cast their nets again, it was right in that same old spot where they'd been fishing all night and hadn't caught anything? Don't give up. Genuine faith perseveres. It persists. It keeps plugging away. No one who cries out for mercy from Jesus like Bart did will ever be ignored. Did you notice how the crowd's attitude toward Bart changes? Now I've wondered, actually I've wondered all week about this a little bit. How did Jesus even hear this man in such a large crowd to begin with? 
There's all these pilgrims headed to Jerusalem for the Passover. And the text says it was a large crowd. And maybe you've been in large crowds before. It's kind of noisy, right? And yet, as they go, Bart calls out and Jesus hears him. And I've concluded that even, even though I can't prove it from this specific text, I think that Jesus is always ready always waiting to hear cries for mercy. I think he has his ear tuned to those calls so he can hear them right away, just like a mother has her ear tuned for her baby's cry and can hear it even in a nursery full of crying babies. When he heard Bart's called, call to him, Jesus called for Bart. And the crowd goes from quiet down, Bart, to cheer up, have courage. Jesus is calling you. And Jesus has grace today for us. He won't turn us away. In fact, he'll do the opposite. He'll bring us close, just like he did with Bart. And when Jesus brought Bart close to him, he was sending a message to the world that nobody is unworthy in his kingdom. Jesus tells them to move to the side. Bring him here. He wants Bart to be close to him. And whether we've been Christians for decades or only a few days, no matter how much the world tries to quiet us down about our love for Jesus, we need to keep on living and loving Jesus. How could you even stop? How could you even quiet down your love for Jesus? I don't even know what that would look like. There's more than enough mercy in Jesus to persevere. In verse 52, your translation might say, Go, your faith has healed you, or go, your faith has made you whole. However, a more literal translation is, Your faith has saved you. And so genuine faith saves. It's an incredible expression from Jesus that has a double meaning. Of course, here Bart was physically saved from his blindness. But Mark has been using this word save all throughout his gospel to point to a deeper spiritual truth. Jesus didn't come to merely heal our bodies. Jesus came to heal our souls. Before Bart received his sight, his faith in Jesus caused him to see Jesus with his heart. Once his heart was right with Jesus, the rest followed behind. Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Faith. His faith saved his soul and then his sight. And not only was Bart saved from the problems that come along with blindness, Jesus also saved him from sin and death and hell. We have to read Jesus' words in verse 52 along with his earlier statement in verse 45 where he says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus says, that's why I've come. I've come to rescue sinners like you, Bart. And as you've trusted in me to restore your sight, you have received also salvation for your soul. Certainly it's not that simple, right? I mean, 
Bart didn't do anything to deserve what he received from Jesus, did he? He didn't do anything. Doesn't he need to pay Jesus back somehow? Now, we don't know what Bart's life was like, aside from that he was a blind beggar. But we do know that he was probably like most human beings, a sinner in need of salvation because he's enslaved to his sin. But notice that Jesus doesn't say, Bart, straighten up your act a little bit, and then we can talk. You know, if you go two weeks without lying or lusting, I'll swing back around. If you can go two weeks without doing that, then we'll talk about, we'll talk about getting your sight back in order here. He doesn't say, you know, Bart, I know what you're spending your alms money on, and you need to get cleaned up and sober before I fix your sight. He doesn't say any of that. Jesus doesn't require Bart to be better and then think about it. But there are many people in our world today who think that is exactly what they need to do. I've heard it a million times, shared the gospel with people, and I ask them if they want to give their life to Christ, if they're ready to do it today. And they say, I know I need to, but I just need to get my life together first. You can't. You can't get your life together. They can't get their life together. You can't get your life together. Bart couldn't get his life together. He was hopeless. He was helpless. He was exactly where he needed to be, calling out for the mercy of Jesus. And that is exactly where we need to be today. Listen to the words of Jesus once more. Your faith has saved you. Simple as that. You come begging Jesus, like Bartimaeus in the tattered rags of your spiritual poverty, recognizing that you are weak, that you are needy, that you are helpless, that you are powerless, hopeless, and blind. That the only way that the only way that you have any hope in this world is if Jesus has compassion on you. And that's the only way that we can come to Jesus. His kingdom is not for the self-righteous. It's not for the self-important. It's not for those who feel entitled. It's only for those who receive it like poor, blind beggars. You can't walk into heaven on your own. You have to be carried in by the arms of Jesus. You can't fix your spiritual blindness any more than someone can fix their physical blindness. And when in faith you call out to Jesus for mercy, giving yourself up to Him to save you, sin and all, it's that kind of simple faith that saves you. Anyone who is relying on anything else besides Christ alone cannot make it in. You cannot walk into heaven on your own. One final element of Bart's faith is that it causes him to follow Jesus. Look at verse 52. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he could see and began to follow Jesus on the road. Jesus told him, Go, which literally means to move along. But the question was going to be, which way would he move along? Which way was he supposed to go? What would he do now that he'd been given back his sight? 
Would he want to go and study the faces of his friends and of his family? Would he desire to see nature and art and the world around him? Well, what does the text say? Which way did he go? For Bart, there was no question. He wanted to follow Jesus. Immediately. Immediately he began to follow Jesus. And when Bart's genuine faith caused him to see Jesus clearly, he cried out for mercy, persevered in adversity, and found Jesus was the only one who could save him. And at the end of all of that, there was, there was nothing else he could do but follow him. There was no other choice. There was nowhere else for him to go. There was nothing else that was more important for him to do. There was no one else that he wanted to see than Jesus. Following Jesus on the road, or following Jesus on the way, which is what it literally says, it's actually a technical term for discipleship in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament. And when someone is following Jesus on the road or on the way, they're following close to him. They're walking in his footsteps. Bart's story is, is truly incredible. He goes from sitting by the road in verse 46 to following Jesus along the road in verse 52. That's quite the change. He was following Jesus. He was imitating Jesus, obeying the commands of Jesus, and doing everything that he could to try and please Jesus, determined to follow Him every step of the way. Because that's what genuine faith looks like. That's what it looks like when you are saved. That's what it looks like when you see Jesus for who He truly is. You serve Jesus. You don't pursue your own power or influence like James and John. Instead, you, your highest desire is to live under the power and influence of Jesus. Before He saved us, We couldn't live this way, not even if we tried. But with our faith having saved us, we stay with Jesus all the way. Faith in Jesus transforms everything about our life. He doesn't say, clean up and then come to me. He says, come to me and I will clean you up from the inside out. And like the first disciples Jesus called, Bartimaeus abandons his former way of life, leaving everything behind. It says he got up and left his cloak. Beggars, especially blind beggars, would spread their cloak out so that people could toss their coins and food or whatever it was they were giving them on there. And at the end of the day, they'd, they'd collect it all up and they'd go home or to some... Not, they didn't usually have a home. They, some street corner where they felt safe and find out what they'd been given that day. But Bartimaeus leaves his cloak behind his only possession. It doesn't seem like much. We go, oh, that's not much. Just a cloak. You know, I've forgotten my jacket before at other places and I just, I don't even care because I got five or six of them, right? But this is probably Bartimaeus' only worldly possession. One that mattered a lot to him. But he left it behind because he will have nothing from his past keeping him from following Jesus today. He wasn't going to turn back. He wasn't going to go back to his old life, his old former way of doing things. Now he was going to trust and rely only on Jesus in this life and the next. 
That question, what do you want me to do for you? It's the most important question that Jesus ever asked us and one to which we most frequently give the wrong answer. We usually ask for all of the wrong things in this life. We ask for wealth and recognition, status and power. That's on one end. And on the other end, we might come thinking, oh, I'm unworthy. I'm unwelcome. But the truth is that anyone who wants mercy from Jesus, actually feeling unworthy is probably the best place that we can be. Because no matter how unworthy we feel, we can receive mercy from Jesus. Jesus will not turn you away. Jesus always welcomes sinners who are calling out to him for mercy. Maybe you're familiar with the line from Amazing Grace, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. This highlights the spiritual transformation that you and I can experience as we move from blindness to sight. Have courage. Cheer up. He's calling you. He wants you to come to Him. There's nothing to do first because there's nothing that you can do. If you hear His voice today, come just as you are. Come right now. Just like Bartimaeus in his blind beggar's rags, you will find new life in Christ. How will you respond this morning to His call? to his question, what do you want me to do for you? Will you cry out to Christ for mercy this morning? That's what I would encourage you to do. Cry out to Jesus. And when you do, you will receive sight and grace. And your faith will save you. And to the church, to the believers, those who have already put their hope and trust in Christ, who've, always, who've already called out to Him for mercy. If we're going to be the church, we must not be like the crowds. Whenever we hear other people calling out for mercy, we should be more like Jesus, willing to stop, to listen, and to help those who are calling out to Him, find Him. Don't deter them. Don't tell them that they're not good enough. Don't tell them that they need to clean their life up. If you hear them calling for mercy, help guide them. They're blind. They don't know how to find the way. And what we'll find if we cry out to Jesus, that He was calling for us the whole time. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of First Baptist Church of Versailles. We would love it if you joined us in person. Our services are Sunday at 1045 a.m. and Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. We are located at 211 East Jasper Street in Versailles, Missouri. For more sermon recordings, visit our sermon page at fbcversailles.com.